Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, we ask your blessing on us this night, on our hearing of your word, on our reflecting upon it. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts bring glory to you, almighty God. Amen. It was just a dream. It was just a dream. I wonder if you've ever found yourself in the dark in bed and said to yourself, it was just a dream. Or even more interestingly, I've, I've had these times when I've been asleep still, asleep and dreaming, and I've realized that I'm dreaming. And I've tried convincing myself mid-dream that it's just a dream. I hope that's happened to somebody else because otherwise you might be worried about me. But I, this happens and I say to myself, it's just a dream. Sometimes to the point where I wake up and then I tell myself again, see, it's just a dream. I pull myself out of the dream. It was just a dream. It can be hard for us to figure out reality sometimes especially when we're dreaming. I still have dreams where I didn't finish law school or I didn't attend a class. I don't know if anyone has those either. And that was more than 20 years ago. Or I'm waiting for the bar exam results and reliving that anxiety over and over again or any number of other things. And I've read a lot of analysis about these recurring dream themes and most of them relate to things you haven't gotten done, unfinished business. So yes, I'm confessing to you all that I have an endless to-do list that never seems to get my full attention, and I've always got laundry that needs to be done. But in that moment when I wake up and I have to ask myself what's real, I don't then turn and think about those things that are left undone. I I think about the fear that I was feeling, the anxiety that my own dreams could cause, and the uncertainty, my uncertainty, about my reality. Is this real? Is this happening? And sometimes the hard part is that our reality can be a scary place. Not just those bad dreams, our reality can be a scary place and we don't want to go there. And so sometimes our dreams take us a different direction. They take us somewhere better. We dream of a different place. We dream of a better place, a better reality. Our first scripture lesson that Tom and Kay read for us from Isaiah chapter 9 was written at a time when the people were living a true nightmare. It was among the most difficult times for the kingdom of Judah. They had been betrayed over and over again. They had seen violence against them. They were constantly feeling as though they were under attack. And it was for good reason that they felt that way because they were. It was like plugging a leak. The minute they would defend themselves on the north, they'd be attacked from the south by another invading foe, different forces. It was a, it was a nightmare coming again and again, like those dreams that keep coming again and again that you wake yourself up from. And from a political perspective, it would have made good sense for the people of Judah to make alliances with one of those enemies. That's how it worked. You could go back through the history and you'd see these alliances that would change over and over again. For them to align with one of these enemies, to bring about peace through a stronger joint force. Historically, this is how it worked. Unholy alliances for the sake of peace. Fight fire with fire. Get your fire bigger. 
the words of the prophet, that first part, they're, they're hard words to hear. The people have walked in darkness, darkness caused by an enemy, an enemy that Isaiah describes, an enemy they can see, but an enemy that's sometimes in a far-off place, an enemy they can't see, like, like a disease coming into their midst, a sickness overtaking them. And my goodness, we can relate to this. We can relate now, but we can relate when our lives just don't feel right. We can relate when the pressures mount. We can relate when we're struggling to make ends meet. We can relate when our bodies or our minds don't work the way they should work or the way they used to work or the way we want them to work. We can relate when we are questioning whether we're doing the right things when we feel the world closing in, when we watch the decline of someone we love and there's nothing we can do about it. Our lives, especially it seems now, are all too familiar with not just feeling the darkness, but also having these times of feeling despair. Isaiah, he calls this the yoke of the burden the bar across your shoulders, the rod of your oppressors, the boots of trampling warriors. He he describes it so many ways. And I don't think these things are that strange to us. You have to work through those words a little bit in the descriptions, but they're not that strange to us. The concept that we can feel when we hear about the rod of our oppressors the bar across the shoulders, the weight that we carry, the weight that that may be actual weight on our shoulders, but usually it's not. It's the weight that comes in the night. It's the, the dreams that we wake up from only to find that they aren't dreams. This is what Isaiah is writing in the midst of, these realities, these realities that relate in many ways to the realities that we carry, and Isaiah doesn't ignore them. Isaiah doesn't ignore them, and, and for us to ignore them, particularly on this night, wouldn't make sense either. Esau Macaulay is a professor down the way at Wheaton College, and yesterday in the New York Times, he wrote an opinion article, and this is what he wrote. He said, Christmas for the Christian has never promised to soothe every pain or cure every ill. Unfortunately, life with God doesn't work that way. Instead, Christmas is the grand miracle that makes space for all the smaller miracles. It gives us enough hope to walk a little farther in the dark toward the glimmer of something that seems too distant to reach. That's the glimmer that Isaiah is pointing us toward. The glimmer of Jesus, who at the time that Isaiah is writing this, Jesus will be born in 700 years. 700 years. That's a glimmer. The glimmer of God's incarnational love. God's God's mysterious becoming of a human. A, A mystery 
of the one who has all those names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, these names used by Isaiah. The, this is the glimmer of, of this God who throughout the Old Testament seems so distant. The one who, when asked God's name, responds, I am who I am. There's something powerful in those words, but there's also a sense of dismissive. I am who I am, all right? That's all you need to know. Separateness. And sometimes God can feel separate from us in that way. But this glimmer of something different that seems so far out of reach comes in the form of a baby. The most vulnerable form of human, a baby. A baby who was dependent. So from the outset, God depended on people. First Mary and Joseph, but then others, others who would teach Jesus. God depended on people who would walk alongside him. God depended on people. God depends on us. God depends on, on you. Because you see, God didn't depend on people who had it all together. They weren't the people with power. They, they weren't the people who always knew what to do. They were people who had strange dreams that felt like nightmares. People who walked and wandered, trying to understand what was going on around them. People searching for the reality. The, the people asking, is this really happening to me? But people willing to dream that it might just be happening. And then other people along the journey, helping to point out the reality of their experience. Other people do this in our lives. They, they help us return to reality. When I sometimes feel overwhelmed or, or like I'm losing track of who I am, a quick phone call to a friend, someone who's known me, who knows me deeply, can ground me again. And Mary and Joseph, having seen angels and, and heard strange messages and having dreamt dreams and having been, been confused about what was going on, and then finding themselves with a baby, they're needing some reality. And God sends them reality. And God uses people to bring that reality. People who worked hard. They were shepherds laboring in fields, struggling to understand what the angels were telling them. How could God be born in this way? If we think it's confusing for us, imagine for them. And so, friends, listen for God's word to us in the Gospel of Luke. Listen for how reality speaks in this text. When we get to this, this point of the text, Jesus has been born already. You had to come to the pageant if you wanted to see Jesus born. Although, in the pageant, Jesus is actually delivered by a star, which I think is funny. But, um, but at this point in our text, Jesus has been born our gospel lesson takes place when the shepherds are minding their flocks, and frankly, they're minding their own business. They're disrupted in their fields. They're not in a church. They're not in a cathedral. I think sometimes, for many of us, we're more likely to encounter God outside the doors of the church in our fields more than in this place, so maybe you can relate. 
They're in the fields, and this is what happens. And suddenly, and suddenly, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is a familiar text to most of us. But there's a lot of mystery here. There's a lot that requires our imagination, but then there's a lot that requires our thoughtful wonder in the face of a mysterious text. There's this vulnerable baby just born to an unwed teenager in this crude dwelling surrounded by animals and now these shepherds who've wandered in. And surrounding them all, surrounding, flooding this whole scene is the mystery of God becoming human. The mystery of a God who understands us not only because God is God and knows all things, but because God now is human, born, born a vulnerable baby, born to living, uh, working, loving people, normal people, just so God could be near us and so we could be near God. The last three weeks, my sermons have all been about Mary and her bold, fierce, brave motherhood, not just to God, but her motherhood to us, birthing for us a faith that only she could deliver, long subjected through history to being the quiet, docile character in the nativity, I've attempted to present Mary as scripture shows her to be, wise and strong beyond her years. But you see, in this time leading up to, when, uh, to, to from when Mary knows that she's going to have this baby to when she's now here having this baby, Mary had to dream. She had to dream, and she also had to wake up and have reality checks. She knew her situation was different. She knew it was strange. She knew she was facing challenges. She was pregnant and still a child and not married. And Joseph, who's about to leave, has dreams himself. Angels visit him in dreams, giving him instructions, encouragement. Together they wonder what this will be. Could it be? Could it be true? Together they walk, together they stay together, and they dare to find that glimmer of something that seems too distant to reach. And in this moment in our scripture text, I wonder if you heard this, in this moment when the shepherds come to visit, when Mary's there with her new baby, God, who had dwelt within her and then been born painfully and beautifully and messily born like babies are born, 
In this moment, the shepherds show up. They come and they tell Mary and Joseph what they've experienced in their fields. The angels praising God. Shepherds don't see this every day in the fields at night. The angels praising Jesus, glory to God in the highest heaven. They're singing praise. And in this moment, it is as though Mary wakes up from the strange dream and she checks out what's real. All of her worry, her wonder, and here in this moment, Mary treasured in her heart what the shepherds said. That's what it, that's what it says. Mary treasured in her heart what the shepherds said. Mary treasured it. Mary, who had been carrying the treasure of all creation within her womb, is now treasuring the declaration of these angels to these shepherds, the glimmer of something that seems too distant to reach. The shepherds, the angels, they bring this reality check that all that Mary had been told was true. That all that Mary dreamt was reality, that the dreams she dreamt of a reality so different, a reality in which there would be love conquering evil, a reality in which the oppressed would go free, a reality in which God's justice would prevail. And this is Christmas. This is hope. This is our reason to dream, our reason to look for that glimmer of something that seems out of reach, to be comforted, visited by angels, to join the chorus of shepherds, to bring our whole selves before God, to wonder at this amazing thing of God becoming human. And then to dream of what will be. The people who walked in darkness, Isaiah writes, the the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. To those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. To dream and to wonder. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.